Mukherjee had amazing, uh, uh, you know, uh, policies and uh, facilities, and they really took care of me very well. They had kind of, you know, fantastic uh, stay. Mm. Uh, whoever goes there and all the facilities needed, so you will kind of feel at home. Mm. And then, yeah, you know, that was first time I visited US and happened to see my colleagues mm. and you know mm. the factory and the real business, right? And then. You know, everywhere I went, the G was so popular. Oh. It made me really proud. In fact, uh, once I remember, we went to Niagara Falls as mm. a kind of bunch of friends, and uh, one of my colleague had put the handbrake on, mm. and we drove like hundreds of miles, and then something was burning, and and we could smell it, and then it was already like uh, 10, 30, 11 in the night, okay. and then. Um, we were a bit scared also mm -hmm. because we were told not to go out uh, late right. in the night. And then we were like, no shops are open, nothing. And there was one uh, subway or something like that. Mm -hmm. We kind of went to seek help because the car is not starting anymore. Mm. And then we knocked the door. They were like reluctant to open because they were also, mm. you know, not welcoming guests at that time. And then we tell them like we are employees of GE and they immediately opened the door mm -hmm. and they were like so passionately talking about GE saying okay we use GE heater we use GE wow. you know wine uh, storage they were like really really mm. uh, proud of GE and we felt really good and that's when mm. I realized GE is, is not just a company it's kind of an emotion in US. Did you ever feel that in your career ever again because what GE has is a cult following Especially at that time, it was more than just a cult following, right? Yeah, a lot of leaders come. Did you ever feel that uh, that sense of pride for your own company? Like, that is like next level. Yeah, yeah always. Even now, I, I, you know, credit most of what I am mm. to the initial years. Wow. Indeed, right? Uh, no doubt about it. Because the kind of uh, the work environment they had, mm. the kind of exposure what we had, the kind of leadership what we had, even till today, I miss it. You know, in fact, now, you know, most of us have become leaders. We try to actually bring that culture wow. wherever we go. But uh, I think th th they had a, a great setup. It's like a, a university where uh, leaderships are groomed. I think that's a true institution, right? Like yeah. 20 years down the lane, look how well you're talking about it. Yes. Like that's, I think that's the real value of a company. Absolutely. I, I still uh, proudly say... I'm still in touch with many of my colleagues in GE and all of them are doing really, really mm. well mm. in different companies. The good thing is wherever you go, you get to see a GE person. Even when I joined Schneider Electric, surprisingly, you know, I was having a call with one of my colleagues in uh, US. Uh, it was a you know big meeting and mm. then I see my ex-colleague Steve Delaney right there. <laughs> right? It was very surprising to me, uh, you know, the person whom I worked with in 2002 and three. Now I'm able to work with him again and, mm. you know, uh, that, that's the beauty of GE. You have them everywhere, you feel kind of uh, very confident mm. uh, when, uh, uh, you know, you step into any other company because you kind of have a very strong foundation from there. Mm. Yeah, so absolutely fantastic experience from GE. And then uh, 2005... Uh, happened? No, actually, I... I for whatever reasons, I was always entrepreneurial right. in my mind. I wanted to go to US. You know, GE, they used to rotate people. You know, I had to come back to India. Right. And then I wanted to go back. Mm -hmm. right? And then obviously GE had some restrictions to move people for longer term. So I had to kind of venture on my own. Mm -hmm. So then I uh, 
contacted few consulting agencies who could do my visa, blah, blah, blah. So I happened to get an H1 done on my... How, how come? Isn't it very tough to get it like... Especially that time when... See, it was uh, tough. I mean, it, it has always been tough, but I had the right skills. Mm -hmm. So I was definitely in the highly skilled uh, category. Uh, category and I met all the criteria. So I, uh, you know, there was a, you know, one uh, consulting small agency who uh, were willing to process my visa. I had to pay for it. And then finally that happened. And then it was actually for me... Uh, you know, very young, uh, with no savings, nothing, right? I, I was kind of venturing on my own. Mm -hmm. And then I had to finally sell my bike to get the flight tickets. Wow. Right? That was the situation. Which bike was this? Honda Unicorn. So, in fact, uh, that was launched. Uh, it, I was probably first one or two second customer for that bike in Bangalore. Wow. And you were not married at that time? Uh, no, I wasn't married. That's right. So <laughs> then, uh, yeah, I sold the bike <laughs> for the tickets because I had already paid a lot of money for the visa right. processing. And then I landed in uh, US uh, after getting the visa. And you didn't have money when you landed, like assuming that you were... Very little. I'll, I'll tell you the story about it. In fact, I had probably what, uh, maybe 10, 15,000 max. Uh, that's what I had. Rupees? Rupees, yeah. <laughs> Shit. The only positive thing, the Bali who interviewed <laughs> me, who was my mentor, was already in US. Right? Wow. <laughs> so he said, come stay with me. Right. And then I went there. I stayed with him for a month. Well, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Till I got my SSN, some formalities right. done and all of that. And then I had to go find my job, right? All I have is a visa, not a job. Mm. So then uh, obviously he took care of me for a month. I stayed with him. I mm. had to pay nothing. You know, food, everything was taken care. Mm. And then I also happened to, uh, you know, uh, work in a subway for a few days you know, for some uh, part-time job. Amazing. Because I was not doing anything, right? What I, an experience, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that was an amazing experience. So I happened to meet an uh, Indian couple, Gujaratis, who oh. were running a subway in the Cincinnati city center. And then I happened to ask them for a job and they were happy to kind of you know, take my help. I want your opinion, right? The Indian diaspora. Sometimes what I've seen is Indians outside help Indians more than Indians in India. Because, very natural. because there is some sense of, because I have also stayed in the U.S., Whenever I met an Indian family abroad, the kind of hospitality they show to another Indian is just next level. What is your thought on that? See, it's always like that. For example, if you go to Mumbai, if I have a neighbor as a Bangalorean, there will always be that affection, right? Mm -hmm. So you always go back to your identity, right? Identity could be, you know, mm -hmm. starting from a family all the way to the nationality. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's, it's quite natural when you find a fellow Indian or a Kannadiga or a Bangalorean that... that Bonding is always there because we have at least something in common. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this happened, the subway happened. It took me about a month to get my uh, SSN, social security number. And then I had to face a lot of interviews. In fact, I didn't have a phone when I went there. So, to take interviews, uh, Bali helped me get a phone, phone contract. All of that happened. And then finally, when I uh, got a job in California, state government. So I got a consulting job there. So, I had to go from Cincinnati to California and then he helped me with $500 which I could buy a ticket went there and then uh, uh, I worked there for around uh, four five months and then the the, the consulting firm I was uh, working with that was very small and, and with no professionalism and stuff like that so they weren't giving me healthcare insurance so oh. I was kind of living without a healthcare insurance for a few months that's a very big problem very very dangerous and then I realized that immediately and then I thought, okay, I should probably shift to a, a you know a better organization. And that that's how Wipro happened. Mm -hmm. So Wipro, they were anyway hiring those days, and uh, the skill I was in was kind of in a very high demand. Uh, happened to join them. Uh, it was a very 
uh, good uh, you know thing that happened that time because I was kind of without health, health insurance. So I moved from uh, you know uh, Roseville, Sacramento, mm -hmm. that's where I was with the. In fact, I happened to even meet Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger. Uh, he was the governor at that time. You I was him. working in his office. So, like in the same floor plate? Same building, same building. So wow. Sacramento is the California uh, kind of state capital. Yeah. So they have a kind of a administrative office in the center of Sacramento. So I was in the same building, building business analytics for their healthcare department. Wow. So analyzing the number of beds, number of patients, the trends and kind of, uh, you know, uh, and you were not married at that time. I wasn't married. You must the good times, you know? Yeah, in you know, good times I was independent. Right. And actually, it's it's funny. I mean, um, when I was in Sacramento, obviously mm -hmm. I had no money, right? All mm -hmm. I had was a uh, five hundred bucks uh, landed by Bali, and then I, w I went there, and then salary took some time before it uh, you know reached me. And then <clears throat> I had to find an accommodation as well. So there is a, a Davos University right next to Sacramento. Mm -hmm. So I happened to kind of find a Chinese uh, who was willing to spare an another bed for me. Wow. So I went there, stayed with him for a week and then I had to shift again. So within about two months, I might have shifted three or four times because, you know, it was very expensive accommodation in California. So anyway, all that happened for all good reasons. And then Wipro happened, I went to Minneapolis. Mm. So Minneapolis is the other northwest of uh, US uh, for a consulting engagement with Target. Target is one of the big retailers mm. uh, in US. Again, that was an amazing experience working with Target. I was there for about two years, uh, building their complete end-to-end -end enterprise data warehouse mm -hmm. and enterprise mm -hmm. BI. And that's when even actually they started uh, Target India Center here mm. in Bangalore. And I even happened to interview many people for Target India. Being in India, and they always would trust me to interview them. Mm. It was a very. It was uh, started by Mr. Lalit Ojana. Correct, know. correct. So he, he was kind of more of an MD, but okay. then we were setting up the complete okay. technology competency okay. center. Okay. So I was in the headquarters of uh, Target in okay. Minneapolis, okay. kind of interviewing for them. Mm. Uh, it was a great uh, working environment. Mm -hmm. I never felt uh, it was more of a vendor uh, customer relationship. Mm -hmm. We were kind of you know, part of the same organization. Mm -hmm. In fact, we pro had uh, you know a lot of people in target those days it was a big multi-million uh, customer for them mm -hmm. in fact even today a lot of uh, my colleagues uh, who are either part of wipro or target are actually running the show here in uh, bangalore ankur mithal was my colleague oh wow uh, anyway now he's no longer in target i think he has uh, moved to Los or something like that but yeah, a lot of uh, those early friends who uh, whom we made in Target are still in touch. And many of them are actually in a very, very good leadership positions in different retail. Uh, any uh, any particular names? For example, Ankur is now leading the laws. And then we have, uh, I'm trying to recall, so few of them in uh, Tesco, few of them, uh, sorry, I, I may not uh, recall all the names. So, okay, there is a guy by name Saurabh Swaroop who is kind of now, I think, uh, part of NTT data. It's been a yes, while. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, Saurabh yes, Swaroop right, right. was there. In fact, he was kind of my manager and mentor when I joined. Wow. Okay. And then uh, another guy whom uh, I really appreciate uh, was uh, Manujit Majumdar, mm -hmm. who is now partner with Deloitte in India. Mm -hmm. Then there was a guy by name Shashidhar Ediki. I think he's in now... Uh, 
probably heading uh, Dell or NTT, something like that. Mm -hmm. right? So many of them stayed back in India, uh, sorry, in the US. Uh, some of us moved. And then I, the, the guy whom uh, I was referring to, Manujit Majumdar, he once told me, Madhu, there is a new opportunity in UK, do you want to move? And I was already like two, three years in US, I was looking for a change. Mm -hmm. right? I, I'm not a guy who I want to be in the same stuff for more than three years. So this means you are leaving Bangalore soon? <laughs> no, see, I may change roles and uh, the responsibilities. Bangalore is anyway always a home, but yeah, I always contemplate, right? right. So it's a never ending uh, kind of debate in the mind. Yeah, so I was uh, kind of three years into Target and then mm. Manojit asked me, there's a good opportunity in Europe and we are actually developing Europe in a big way. To mm -hmm. And then it was more of a pre-sales engagement those days. It was not yet an account for Wipro that time. So I happened to fly to uh, UK and then it was kind of a sales engagement. And uh, it is it, very interesting because uh, the tools which we were proposing to uh, Morrison's, Morrison's was the another, I think they are the fourth largest uh, retailer in uh, UK. Morrison's? Grocery, yeah, grocery retailer with, um, you know, very popular brand uh, in UK. Mm -hmm. And and most of Europe, I believe now. So, we were in a pre-sales mode trying to sell, uh, you know, services. And they had chosen, I think, Oracle as a landscape, uh, mm. as, a, as a complete ERP. And then as part of that was Oracle BI apps. Mm -hmm. Those days it was Oracle Business Intelligence Applications, uh, which was an acquisition from Civil Analytics and they kind of packaged it uh, together. And then, uh, you know, uh, we didn't have, I didn't have that skill. Mm. And uh, we had even acquired a company called Enabler uh, those days who were specialized. 2009. 2008. During the crash. Exactly. Yeah, I was in UK when the crash happened. Oh, damn. So, so we had acquired this company called Enabler. But then again, you know, the European work culture is different. Mm -hmm. right? So they wouldn't be very flexible. I mean, now things probably have changed, but they were very kind of, okay, you know, this is my scope of work. This is not my scope of work kind of stuff. And then now we had to demonstrate our capabilities in the Oracle BI space, hmm. uh, otherwise we would not have gotten the contract. Ji. So then what I had to do, take one computer from the customer, mm -hmm. install that software mm -hmm. without knowing anything about it, installed it completely and ran it end to end. It's, all this happened in like three, four days mm. and I had a working model for them in four days. Wow. And <laughs> I went to the extent of changing the Oracle logo on their product <laughs> to the Morrison's logo. <laughs> so then when I had to present to them, I told them, okay, here is your working <laughs> solution. And they said, oh, you already have a solution. We you thought this is more presentation. Wow. I said, you have a solution, fully working. This, this is pre-sales. In pre-sales, we built complete proof of concept for them with their own data, with oh. their logo, all completely on my own. Wow. Right? Because, see, that was the kind of person I was. I would get in, Very get handsome. my hands dirty, do it, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you, you know, depend on multiple people, speed gets affected. Mm -hmm. When you were on your own, you could do it. Uh, like three, four nights it took, but got it done. And we got the contract. 
Wow. So it put together, it was probably a hundred million contract sure. put together. Wow. And I was anyway, only part of the, the BI apps, but we got wow. the full contract. So that's where the Morrison's journey started. And I was with them for around, uh, again, two and a half, three years, completely greenfield opportunity to set up, uh, you know, BI, enterprise data warehouse, all the way to building the analytical capabilities for them. Again, amazing exposure for me as an individual and an opportunity to do end-to-end. -end. And we were just a team of uh, five or six people with me only technology and everybody else is more managerial mm -hmm. and architectural and stuff like that. So probably that's the place where I spent many of my nights uh, kind of developing that solution. And the other problems what we had was for Oracle, it was a new product mm. and they had a lot of bugs in it. Mm. So I also had to kind of you know, build fixes and then suggest to Oracle saying you need to fix these things. Hmm. So that went really well and, that, and it kind of made me a kind of well-rounded technical person and could see end-to-end -end all the way hmm. from ERPs all the way to the, the analytics hmm. uh, of the business. It exposed me to the sales, how the logistics work, how the food processing works. So it kind of opened up me for more than just the analytics and the manufacturing what I so, so, what really made you start up? Because what I understand is a very nice job you are having, very good exposure, clients like these, and I'm sure you are getting more and more opportunities, moving up the value chain, very handsome salary. You know, how, why start up? You were married, I assume, when you started Yeah, when I went to UK, I was married. Yeah, so... Starting up when you were just recently married, young marriage, yeah, yeah. how did it work? So what happened, uh, I, I grew very fast uh, after that Morrison's thing mm -hmm. because I can imagine. obviously yeah. you know, we wanted to grow in uh, Europe and I was at the right uh, center of it and we had very good feedback from Morrison's as a customer on all positive things. Uh, and then I was moved more into pre-sales and sales because obviously we wanted to acquire more customers. And then I felt, you know, many customers didn't know what to do with the AI or even, you know, the data what they mm -hmm. had. So I felt they need a bit of a consultation mm -hmm. rather than just selling. Right. So what companies like Wipro were trying to do was, uh, you know, sell it as a commodity. Mm -hmm. right? Without telling business what actually benefits them mm. or how they can make use of it and make value mm -hmm. out of it. So I felt there was a need of consulting. Right, but then companies like Wipro were always behind volumes. Right, have one. That's how the business works. Exactly, and they wouldn't bother like one Head person consulting, you. yeah, mm. two person consulting. So they weren't very, uh, you know, uh, positive about starting a small consulting just to sell. So that's when uh, even actually I, I still remember one day I had to write to Kurian, who was the CEO at that time. I just wrote an email to him saying, we need to consult and educate customers mm. on how this can be used rather than trying to sell them, mm. you know, through PPTs. And then he, in fact, uh, maybe, I don't know if it's just because of my email or maybe he was already uh, planning for that. He started what uh, we call as a sales transformation uh, in UK, mm. where mm. he started uh, educating our salespeople on, uh, uh, you know, how to pursue customers with mm. a lot more consultative engagement mm. and mm trying to sell just the uh, services. So then that happened and then I still felt, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, as I would like uh, it to be. 
and then I I happened to kind of you know meet few people who were doing MBA and then I always had this in mind I wanted to do an MBA because I wanted to understand the business side as well right. while I kind of knew it but then I wasn't sure about it right so there was no nothing to kind of authenticate what you know my thought process was and then I happened to kind of give my GMAT and I gave interview at Oxford and came mm-hmm. to both the universities luckily both of them offered me an MBA because I had the right experience. Wow. I already had uh, ten years. So your company sponsored it or how did it work? So the the way it worked uh, in uh, uh, UK, uh, you could kind of take a break for education, hmm. uh, and you get a tax advantage. Right? So Wipro kind of helped me get the tax advantage. So it kind of I paid it, but Wipro helped me with the tax Absolutely advantage. Was there. Exactly. Hmm. So then uh, it was uh, kind of. Uh, you know, one and a half year an MBA program uh, in said business school. Fantastic what, experience. What was your age that time? That's probably 31, 32. 31, 32. So, 32. normally MBA, usually people, usually mm-hmm. do it at an age of around 26, 25. Usually. Yeah. Executive MBA people do later. But So, when you are in that class, I'm sure there are people who are much younger to you. Older to you also, but mm-hmm. younger to you also. So, did you... Did you feel that because you got access to those young minds, you were as part of their peer for one, one and a half years, you got younger as a person in terms of your thinking? Actually, in fact, uh, the, the program I got into was kind of a modular program okay. where you had uh, more executives there. Okay. And I was probably the youngest one. <laughs> so I had an advantage of building a network with... Uh, lot of experienced people. In hmm. fact, my classmate was a chief procurement officer for a large organization in US. Uh, and we had a lot of leadership uh, uh, talent from different companies like IBM. Hmm. Uh, hmm. And also a lot of, in fact, we had a hairosters, we had a doctor. Hmm. It's a very diverse, I mean, the way Oxford chooses MBA candidates, they ensure diversity. Hmm. They make sure you don't have uh, people with the same background. Hmm. I was probably the only one with kind of an IT background. Hmm. Everyone else is either from, uh, in fact, we had a farmer from South Africa, we Mm -hmm. had aerosters, we had a lot of financial background people. So we had a kind of very diverse environment, which was, I think, the right thing to do in an MBA. It kind of exposed us to different sides of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the diversity. Hmm. So So that happened. hmm. And then I was always thinking, what is next? Hmm. And then I realized companies like Wipro would never be able to get into a consulting space because it doesn't give them volume. That's when I decided, okay, there is an opportunity in the market where we need to create a consulting layer which can educate customers hmm. how hmm. they can leverage data. Right. So that was kind of my starting point for you know, the startup. Mm-hmm. And then I happened to meet uh, Vivek Oberoi, the, the movie actor, uh, through a friend. And he was kind of tech savvy uh, while I don't know how many people know while he's a celebrity and into acting, but he's, he's a very tech savvy guy. So then we kind of brainstormed how if we start an AI startup those days mm. in 2013. And then we kind of agreed, you know, I decided to move back to India while I was still there while we are setting it up. But then I eventually moved back to Mumbai. I stayed in Mumbai for three years. Hmm. So leveraging my network in Oxford, leveraging his network uh, in the uh, India corporate world. Hmm. Uh, in fact, the first contract we got was around two million. So it was kind of you know good start for us. 
and then i and how many people were there in your team at that time so we were we were following a very unique model you know we since we wanted to be more in consulting mm. all the execution we would partner with someone to do it in fact those days mm. i partnered with a company called mantan so they would do the execution part while we yeah, are going to meet now atul jalan right atul jalan so in fact atul jalan it's it's kind of a lot of ex we prides there you mm-hmm. know we have vivek basen we have uh, and there's a guy another uh, madhu so anyway so we we i kind of partner with uh, mantan i partnered with uh, prdc which mm-hmm. is a power research company i also partnered with uh, you know uh, wipro for uh, some kind of work so it was a network of many companies where i would be the consultative layer and they would do the execution because that was the missing part it's good uh, mobile lean model very lean model i had no investment to that's make. what i'm saying no Can bench cost nothing no bench cost because i couldn't even have afforded even <laughs> if i wanted to and then i felt i can't afford the expensive resources like that in the beginning at mm-hmm. least and then i felt the opportunity was in this middle layer not necessarily in the Agreed. the the bottom of the pyramid true. where the margins it's a margin mm-hmm. game and time and material game true right so that's how the the journey started and i got amazing support for mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. uh in the Uh, we had uh, customers in UK. We also were pursuing many customers in US and India. Also, the traction was building. It was all going well, and then you know uh, I bumped into a lot of partnership issues, mm-hmm. right? Which kind of became legal. That oh, was legal. probably the yeah. That was probably the toughest time in my life, if I have to say. Yeah. Talk about, a bit more about it, please. Sure. See, usually what happens when you start a startup, you believe in the idea. and you are confident about your capabilities but then what happens when you start execution there are a lot of factors which are outside of your control for example payments from customers right and the problem with startups is both sides whether you lose money or make money it can create a lot of differences among the partnerships mm-hmm. it's like a marriage right you know things can go wrong right and uh, that that's what happened and then when you have differences it kind of turned bit ugly became legal cases mm-hmm. and and there was a period where i had no access to financial resources because it was all under dispute really so it was yeah it was a bit of a tough time and that's when i kind of started you know contemplating should i uh, you know continue here or should i probably you know do something else you know it was it was kind of a tough time i would say in my life and then you know i was still kind of doing consulting and then schneider happened and then i joined right mm. so that was kind of a uh, last bit of a rough journey especially the legalities because uh, that's something you don't anticipate when you start this is what even i tell many people who kind of want to start up and uh, you know they come to seek my advice i tell them mm. see please anticipate the worst right uh, don't only think positive and right. don't only think everything is in your control while you know the idea even execution to some extent could be in your control hmm. so there are a lot of factors especially legal and finance they need to be prepared for so you ideally should have a very strong co-founder with you in that journey i think that's one thing you you would if you had to look back mm-hmm. what would you do differently if you had to start up again see to be honest i i don't have an answer because partnerships can go both wrong depending on the person 
I don't think I I can say you know if there was another partner it could have been better. Fair enough. Right? Because you don't know because uh, see this Too is a money game. When you start making money, differences pop up. If you don't make money, then also they pop up. Then also another problem, right? See this is where the partnership for me is a make or a break in a startup. Hundred percent. So that's where even I suggest many people if you can be on your own till you reach a point. rather than kind of marrying in the mm. beginning itself mm. uh, unless you really have uh, mm. again it's difficult to say even you may have had a mm. fantastic understanding in the beginning but mm. things change right, right? and and uh, all of them have their own families and things like that so it's 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 difficult to say you know if that relationship will work really long or not okay fair enough so yeah i i don't think uh, i have an answer if i could have done it better but then So the experience it offered was probably much more than what I could have learned in my entire life. Mm, mm. Right? It exposed me to the legal aspects. It exposed me to the the regulation aspects. It exposed me to the financial planning right, aspects. Right. It definitely made me a different person. In fact, uh, it was so low that time. I mean, in in my you know journey, uh, the only thing which really helped me was. my running and that that's when i started running really yeah it was it was tough time because legal battles are not easy right you need a lot of patience you mm. need to keep spending money you have no idea which direction it will go mm. so a lot of stress actually and then i happened to uh, you know start running so i i was like running crazy like 10 15 kilometers every stretch every day so you are part of this there's a bomb uh, that's, that's where i met uh, pankaj actually okay <laughs> i think in all the podcasts we do yeah. Pankaj's name comes somehow yeah, or somewhere yeah. because we, we we kind of run in uh, I, I run in Agara, mm. he run in Agara. We sometimes meet up in Kaban Park, so we kind of have uh, mm. common places where we run. Mm. So that really helped me. Today, if I have to thank something, that's my choice of picking to running those days because it was the only way I could pick myself back. Mm. Right. So then, uh, yeah, you know, then. you know when you were left with no option uh, you had to be strong <laughs> there's mm-hmm. no other option so that's what i think kept me going and then it took me about a year or two to kind of come out of it because see start of failure can really get to you ji because it's something you dreamt of you have sacrificed so much uh, you have left you know you know well paying job and you know good lifestyle all of that you have sacrificed and you have really contributed uh, mm. you know whole heartedly and when things fail some people kind of get into depression and stuff like yeah. that uh, but luckily for me i think running helped i mean mm. uh, i don't think anything else could have brought me back uh, in a positive uh, way but running kind of transformed something in me for sure mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. uh yeah it, it's it's transformative for sure and then um, you know i kind of kept consulting on my own for a brief period and that's when i was consulting to schneider and then 28 schneider. it happened yeah so madhu schneider right schneider people know schneider electric what they do but ai ka kya role hai what is ai doing here can you like quickly explain us sure so see schneider uh, many people actually don't know about it right mm. uh, it's because a b2b company but often people get confused between schneider and schindler because schindler is an elevator company which many people know <laughs> Even, uh, Full disclosure, I also was a bit. Yeah. So because they sound same, both are a German name, so it's it's quite obvious. Right, right. But actually, Schindler is one of our big customers. Right, right. right. 
See, uh, Schneider Electric as an organization, uh, they have a history of around 100 years. Uh, they are leaders in two domains. One is what we call as energy management, uh, where we kind of offer to different energy related products. Mm -hmm. And then and another one is industry automation. Mm -hmm. So industry automation meaning connecting. No, not really. So this is like real manufacturing automation, mm. right? With machines connected through IoT, edge computing, and all of that. Right? Oh. So this is our domain. Then okay. So mm. now coming back to where do we use AI? So I would broadly classify our AI applications into three buckets. One is we use AI for our internal operations, sales, you know, Efficiency finance, to optimize supply chain, optimization, efficiency. And then we use AI within our customer offers, like when we sell, let's say, a building management system, right, or a machine advisory. So it has a lot of AI in it, hmm. okay, and the, which is part of the right, industry right, automation. Right. And the third one is we also have started offering AI offers and services to our customers, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to the existing customers. As a service business. As a service. So we, in fact, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, Aviva, which is one of the well-known uh, AI company. No, no, there is a AVEVA, which is, uh, 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 they call it a digital twin solution. It's a company acquired by Schneider. Achha. Right, so it's into digital twin. So you guys acquired such companies also? Yeah, so we acquired Aviva, we have acquired RIB, we have acquired SIPI. These are all software companies. So as a, as a company, in terms of long-term strategy, we want to be a digital player. That's our... Right. In fact, we have a platform called EcoStructure, which we believe would transform the industrial automation. It becomes a platform where you bring in multiple wow. edge computing, uh, IoT all together, and it's supposed to create an autonomous factories, for example. Wow. Right? So that's the kind of uh, you know vision the company has. And these are the three areas wow, where we cool. leverage AI. And uh, so now let's talk a bit about AI, right? And everyone, I think, has been talking about GPT and all of that. What do you think an AI, how how fast do you think it can impact us? And how fast do you think it can impact jobs? Because everyone knows AI is, is going to make it big. It's, everyone is using chat GPT. I personally use it a lot. But we still in our heads feel that yeah, it's time. Hai. How fast do you think this can make a mega dent? See, I mean, the, the, not only chat GPT, yeah. the technologies today, yes. the pace at which they are impacting is really high. In the sense, what used to take 10 years to disrupt in the olden days, now is like a year. Mm -hmm. right? With something like chat GPT, it's already there. In right. fact, uh, if you had asked me this question five years back, I would have said maybe three, four years or five years. Mm. But no, it's already there. It has started mm. impacting. So I don't think uh, there is any more time for it to impact. Jobs will come to that later, but it's going to start impacting uh, you know, each one of us in different mm -hmm. ways. Uh, especially now that Microsoft has kind of has a stake in it, it changes the whole game. Because right? AWS plays... Not only so not Azure. Azure. It's mm -hmm. not just Azure, right? Mm -hmm. So now they are integrating ChatGPT with the MS Teams, mm -hmm. like the complete Office 365, where there's a lot of language, you know, whether it's your Word document, whether it's your Excel, whether it's your MS Teams. So there's a lot of language. Now they are bringing what they call as a copilot, which would assist, uh, you know, uh, GitHub has it. GitHub. Yeah, GitHub. Uh, you know, they kind of have a full. Uh, scope. So GitHub, they can generate code, 
uh, with uh, you know word document they can mm. actually draft it with ms teams they can automate lot of customer queries and mm. things like that so you going to see a lot of impact very soon it's no more a hype it's a reality it's already there mm. and it's going to show the uh, you know value uh, very soon now will it affect jobs see i'll tell you every technology mm. uh, you know from the time we remember has always affected jobs of one sector but they it has created jobs in another sector yes. so usually you see a change in shift or a shift in the jobs rather than uh, jobs going jobs going right. or or creating unemployment right so for example when industrial automation happened you know the, the manufacturing mm-hmm. picked up many laborers lost jobs yes, because you yes. had tractors doing the agriculture true, and true. you had machines doing what otherwise they would do manually and then when it happened obviously it it many people lost jobs in the processes because you automated a lot of processes deployed and then exactly and and erp happened so every time you see jobs shifted from one sector to another hmm. but i don't think uh, it created a lot of unemployment having said that maybe there will be some sections unfortunate who may have to upskill themselves mm. to stay relevant otherwise yeah unemployment can happen mm. right? so i think you know the times we are in you know, kind of constant skilling reskilling ourselves is very inevitable you do that i do it unfortunately i am in the ai space so it's kind of you know yeah, uh, i'm at the right uh, place i would say but mm. then again you know see one thing i usually tell people is when we talk about skilling ai it's not just going and learning python mm. uh, or becoming a data scientist that's mm. not what we want what we really want is people knowing how to use it yes right because say i i've seen lot of uh, you know people with like let's say 15 20 years of experience in in whatever they do trying to shift to a data science job which is actually in my view counterproductive because you are leaving 15 years of your experience no, in something else and competing with a fresher Mm. Right, which in my view is is not the right thing to do rather the people with like 15 20 years of experience they should understand where to use it and then use it in their own domains let's mm. say you are an erp person you know good at sap you can actually be creative in finding how can i use my uh, you know ai application it's like see when the cars came all we had to do was use it not learn how the engine mm. works or you know the brakes work you had to just use it for your business purpose so i think this is what is needed while technology definitely is going to disrupt but then you have to use those applications for mm. your benefit right and help the business True. at the end it's all business right Perfect. i mean if business is not doing well none of us will have job mm. so everyone have to change their mindset to use it rather than learn coding very well said i think uh, a lot of thought for all of us uh so madhu one last question as we have if you had to give one piece of advice to your younger self or younger self or any 20 to 23 year old person sure. what would that be so again you know i i'm i don't believe in like frameworks because that kills creativity that kills mm. individuality and also sometimes it could misguide us mm. because mm. all of us come with uh, you know different capabilities at the moment you kind of try to frame it it could be counterproductive but anyway you know if i have to kind of give 
one or two suggestions from 20 to 30 i think one should focus on education and exposure hmm. right not with a fixed mindset rather with an open mindset hmm. because possibilities you will know better once you have better exposure and 30 to 40 if you like maybe use it for more execution and experience yes. right because that's when you already have a bit of a clarity of what you want to do you know what possibilities are out there mm. after your education exposure you kind of focus more on execution mm. and then afterwards you know focus more on executive jobs because you know you want to scale mm. and the scale comes when you can lead a bunch of young talent yeah right and leverage mm, yeah. their energies and the curiosities That's so it. kind of 40 onwards kind of take up more leadership roles executive roles where you can actually scale your own capability among hundreds of youngsters, mm. right? So kind of very broad framework, but you got to be agile within it. Mm. And right? it's mm. not like, you know, okay, I've said 30, I have to wait till then, you yeah. know, because for example, if someone starts a startup, right? This entire, you know, 30 years, what I said, they may experience in three years, right? right? right. Because the, the scale at which startups uh, you know, a mm. move is very fast compared true. to a corporate job. So you need to have a framework at the same time, you need to be very agile mm. because life never works as we plan, right? So one has to be really agile. So that would be my advice to the youngsters. Have a little bit of a planning, but don't expect plans to work as mm. you want. Be agile. Also keep steering yourself as the opportunities come. You know, be open. Don't fix mm. yourself because, you know, often I... I hear the quote saying you should do what you like to do or what you love to do but the unfortunate reality is when you are in 20s you don't know what you love mm. to do right i know that time you may want to become Shahrukh khan you may want to become modi you may but that that's not the reality mm. right? so that's why i think people should give some time to gain more exposure because the more exposure you have your perspective will broaden see today you may be seeing only a limited perspective true, true. The moment you expose yourself, the perspective will become very broad and then you probably will be in a position to say, this is what I want, mm. right? Rather than doing that decision early on very cool. and probably nice. leading to a more failure. Perfect. I think this is a very, very, very fun chat and I think uh, we have to have more chats about AI because I, I see the depthness of your knowledge. We are all trying to learn more about it. So thank you so much. Thank you, Madhu. Thank you so much. For thank you time. very much. Lovely time to share the discussion. Thank you. Thank you.